I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10. We're going to start where we left off a couple weeks ago, in verse 32 of Matthew, chapter 10. This is our third message from Matthew, chapter 10. This chapter is often called the Mission Discourse, or Jesus' major teaching on missions. And that's because this is a major teaching on missions. Surprising, huh? At the end of chapter 9, Jesus saw the crowds harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, and he had compassion on them. Remember, it hurt him in the gut to see the crowds the way they were. And at the end of Matthew chapter 9, verse 38, which is the reason why many of us have set our phones to 938 to pray for evangelism and church planting every day at 938, In Matthew 9.38, Jesus told his disciples to ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. And then in chapter 10, he did just that. He sent out some workers into the harvest field. He calls 12 men to himself and he sends them out as apostles, authorized representatives, emissaries, ambassadors. We call them special agents on a special mission for Jesus. He sends out the twelve to go on a short-term missions trip throughout Israel, healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers, driving out demons, living on the hospitality of others, and preaching the gospel message, the kingdom of heaven is near. And we notice the last two times that Jesus seems to be teaching about more than just that first short-term missions trip. He seems to also be preparing them for the mission he's going to give them at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, which we often call the Great Commission. And he seems to be preparing them for what it's going to be like in the book of Acts and what it is still like for those of us who are on mission for Jesus today. He summarized the whole thing in verse 16. We should be familiar with it by now. We read it two times ago, we read it last time, and now we're reading it here. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore be shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Do you remember that? The four animals? Sheep, wolves, snakes, and doves. That's us. Well, aside from wolves. We're supposed to watch out for them. But we're supposed to be as trusting and vulnerable as sheep, shrewd and wise and strategic like snakes, and innocent and pure and loving like doves. As we go out on this mission. As we go out on this mission, we're supposed to shout the gospel message, verse 27, from the rooftops. Now, I wouldn't get up on this new roof up here. You might slide off, right? But we're supposed to be bold and share the good news about the coming kingdom and its coming king. It's a dangerous mission that we're on. We are sent as sheep among wolves. That's a dangerous way to go, sheep among wolves. But we summarize verses 17 through 31 as saying basically, beware, but don't be scared. Remember that? Beware, be on your guard, but also don't be frightened, don't be afraid. Because we are not sheep on our own, we have a good shepherd. And he knows us, the very hairs of our heads are numbered. And he says we are worth more than many sparrows, and he has his eye on every one of them. You remember this? You with me? Now, I think that these last 11 verses of Matthew 10 are basically a summary of what Jesus wants his disciples to anticipate this mission being like. What they should expect to happen as they go out on mission 
for Jesus. I'm going to title this today's message, What to Expect on Your Mission. What to Expect on Your Mission. Because I think that's how Jesus is landing this plane. That's how Jesus is ending the mission discourse. He's laying out for the disciples what they can expect to happen to them as they go out on His mission, both then and for us, as we have a mission too, now. I see three main things, and I'll tell you right up front, they aren't all happy ones. They are not all positive. In fact, all three of them have difficult parts to them, and one of them is really, really, really hard. So this is fair warning for disciples. Do you think you want to be a disciple of Jesus? Do you think you want to follow Jesus and be on mission for Jesus? I hope so. But you need to know that it's not always easy. It's not just a walk in the park. And Jesus tells us that. He doesn't hide the fine print. It's not like he sends, he sends them out on this missions trip, but he doesn't tell them what it's really going to be like. He tells them everything. He tells it like it is. Here's what to expect on your mission. Number one, expect to be recognized as Jesus' own. Expect to be recognized as Jesus' own. And this, I think, is the most amazing one of the three. Expect to be recognized as Jesus' own. And that's by God Himself. Look down at Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. Whoever acknowledges me before men... I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Would you pray with me? Lord, what amazing grace we've received. That you would take our place. That you would bear our cross. We love and sing and wonder at how grace has met the demands of your justice. Justice more. Because Jesus has washed us with his blood. His mercy is more. Our sin is deep. It's bad. It's ugly. There's no whitewashing it, but there is washing. Your mercy is more. May Jesus Christ be praised. And help us, Lord, now to see in your word this, these marching orders you've given us and what to expect when we fulfill them. You've given us a, a great commission, not just to the apostles, not just to the church at large, not just to missionaries, but to each one of us. And you've told us up front what it's going to be like. So get us ready, Lord, and send us out with our eyes wide open to these glorious and often painful things. We pray it in the name of Jesus. May Jesus Christ be praised. Amen. Let's read it again, verse 32. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. Now that word acknowledge could be confusing to some of you. Because we often use it as a, as a nod of the head. You know, right? Yep. Right? That's what we mean by acknowledge. 
Yep. I see you over there. Roy? Yep. I acknowledge you. Yep. That the old King James uses the word confess, right? Whoever therefore, whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. Now that might work better for some of you. But for some of you, you use the word confess mainly to admit wrongdoing. Like, confess. That's not what he's getting here at here either. I think the flip side in verse 33 makes it clear what this acknowledge word means. Look at, look at verse 33. But whoever disowns me before men, or King James, denies me before men, I will disown him before the Father in heaven. So the opposite of disown is what? To own. I think that's what Jesus means by acknowledge. It means to claim Jesus as your own, to claim to belong to Jesus, to own Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. And your Lord. To say to the world, Jesus is mine. I belong to Jesus. You get it? See, that's our mission. To tell people about Jesus' saving work and His coming kingdom. And here's what's so amazing. When we tell people, when we own up to Jesus, we are, we are saying we are with Him. When we do that, Jesus tells His Father in heaven that He owns us. That He is with us. Friends, that's amazing. I do not think that we can map, wrap our minds around how astonishing that is. First off, notice who Jesus thinks He is. Jesus believes, apparently, that he has a special filial relationship with God. He believes that he is God's own son. That's crazy, unless it's true. And because he is God's son, whomever he brings to the Father and claims as his own, the Father will also recognize as his own. You follow that? Because Jesus is God's special Son, whomever Jesus brings to the Father and claims as His own, the Father will also recognize as His own. You realize that's happening right now? Now, of course, the flip side is also true. Whomever Jesus does not recognize as His own, the Father will also not recognize as His own. And that's true of those who disown and deny any connection with Jesus. Well, why would you do that? Why would you disown and deny any connection with Jesus? In a word, persecution. Jesus has just told these apostles how hard it's going to be. They're going to be dragged before the authorities. They're going to be flogged. You know what flogged means? They will be chased from city to city. Now, they have the authority to preach the gospel and do miracles of the kingdom, but they don't have the authority to fight back for that kingdom. They are sheep among wolves, not wolves among wolves. And they are going to be tempted to disown and deny any connection with Jesus because if they don't, it will hurt. You feel that? It's easy here in this room. We don't feel it as much in our day or in this country. Right now, Christianity enjoys a good deal of public approval, even a privileged status. 
But in many places in the world, if you belong to Jesus and you own it in public, you will pay for it. And it's increasingly the case here. And it will probably get worse. Regardless, we are all tempted to be quiet about Jesus from time to time. And we aren't even afraid that others are going to hurt us. We're just afraid they're going to laugh at us. Or make fun of us. Or think less of us. So we're tempted to stay quiet. But friends, we have a mission. We have a job to do. It's our number one job to tell people about Jesus. We need to own Him. To recognize Him publicly as our Lord and Savior. What's that look like? It looks like giving testimony. Getting baptized. Doing evangelism. Talking to people about our own Savior and our own Lord. And get this, when we own Jesus before men, Jesus owns us before His Father in heaven. What does that even sound like? Here, Father, this is one for whom I died. This one here is mine. I bought them by my blood. They have trusted in my sacrificial death. They are a sinner, but I have washed them with my blood. My, your mercy has been more for this one. See, they have faith. They are telling people about me. They are owning me before men. Let me tell you about them. It's a wonderful thing to expect as you live your life on mission for Jesus that Jesus is holding up your name to his Father. Wow. Wow. We cannot begin to understand how great that is. Now some, when they read verse 33, think about, well, who do you think about when you read verse 33? What's the what about for verse 33? Peter, right? We think about what the Apostle Peter and what he did. He disowned Jesus, didn't he? Three times he denied him. I don't know the guy. I don't know the man. Get away from me. I I don't know this Jesus person. That's true, he did. But he didn't stay there. He didn't stay a disowner. He repented. And he returned to Jesus and asked for his forgiveness. And then he acknowledged Jesus everywhere he went. Read the book of Acts. So if you have disowned and denied, don't stay there. If you stay there, the other side of verse 33 may become a, a terrible reality for you forever. I will disown him before my Father in heaven. I would hate for that to be said about anybody here. So don't stay there. It isn't safe. Trust in Jesus. Take Jesus as your own Savior and Lord and tell other people about him. Here's the application for this one. Own Jesus as your Lord. Run run up the flag, right? Blows in the breeze. I'm a Christian. I belong to Jesus. Don't be ashamed of Him. Don't be afraid to talk about Him. Don't be scared to claim Him as your own because as you do, He's claiming you as His. That's the first thing Jesus tells them to expect. Here's the second one. Expect to be rejected by the world. 
expect to be rejected by the world. Now, I'd rather be rejected by the world than by the Lord, wouldn't you? But it's still not easy to be rejected by anybody. Who wants that? So that's why Jesus warns us in advance what it's going to be like. Look at verse 34. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. That's a quote from Micah chapter 7, verse 6. Jesus loved the Old Testament, and Matthew loves to show it. But it's hard. Jesus hasn't come to bring peace, he says, but a sword. Now, I know that he's not calling them to pick up swords. They are sheep among wolves. They are not to go on the attack. But because of Jesus, they will be attacked. I know, I know, this this one is a hard one to swallow. Especially because we know that, the, that Jesus did come to bring peace on earth. The angel said so, right? On the night he was b- born. He's the prince of peace. He brings peace. He came for peace. He just taught us to be peacemakers in the Sermon on the Mount a couple chapters ago. And on the night that he was betrayed, he says that he's going to give his disciples peace. But that's not all he brings. And it's not first. First, he brings division. Because the world, not everyone, but so many, the world will reject him. And if they reject Jesus, they reject us. The world gets hostile about Jesus, the the true Jesus. Sometimes the world gets all excited about a fake version of Jesus that they can use to their own ends. Beware of somebody who says, oh, I love Jesus, but it's clear they don't. They don't love the real one. They're just using their fake one. But when the true Jesus shows up, then the world starts to squirm. Then the world gets to fighting. Given enough time, they will get downright hostile. The peace on earth will come, but it's not automatic. And it's later. Because in the short run, Jesus divides families. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. I've seen it right here in Clearfield County. Sometimes our Kids for Christ leaders and kids are handing out water bottles and invitations to family Bible night up at the school. And I've seen a dad make his kids return the water bottle and the invitation and the pencil because he doesn't want any of that Christian proselytizing. I remember one time the guy said, we're atheists. We don't want your stuff. Now imagine if, that, if one of those kids hears about Jesus and comes to, to trust in Jesus. What's it going to be like in that home? This is the worst kind of rejection at the family level. But you can see it everywhere. At work, in your neighborhood, at school. It's not always popular to be a real Christian, to own up to being a follower of Jesus. Jesus divides people. He just does. And most of us don't like to be rejected. We like to be liked. 
I mean, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram feed off of our love of being liked, right? Look how popular they are. But Jesus says, if you're on mission for me, expect a lot of rejection from the world. So here's the application. Love Jesus more than anything. Love Jesus more than anything, more than being liked, more than being comfortable, more than your own family. Look at verse 37. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. That, that worthy of me language is the way of saying, isn't living in line with me, isn't honoring me, isn't living congruently with me and my kingdom. It doesn't mean that we can somehow live in a way that we deserve Jesus. We can't. Salvation is all of grace. But if we have been graced by Jesus, then we will put him absolutely first. Let me ask you a trick question about verse 37. Ready for a trick question? Can you love both Jesus and your family? Okay, maybe it wasn't a trick question. You got, all got it right. Yes, you can. Let me ask this one. Can you love both Jesus and your family equally? No. Jesus calls us to love him more. If you're sitting with your family this morning, would you turn to them and say, Jesus wants me to love him more than you. Jesus wants me to love him more than you. Now when you do that, if you're loving him first, you can love them well and rightly. But not equally. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says that the difference between these two loves should be so great that you could basically say that we hate our families. If you don't hate your father and mother, you don't have any part of me, Jesus says. Not because he wants us to actually hate them, but because the difference. How much more we're to love Jesus. So do you love Jesus that way? Do you love Jesus more than anything? More than being liked? More than being comfortable? More than your very own family? More than your very own life? Look at verse 38. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What an astonishing metaphor. To take up your cross and follow Jesus. To go, to go on a death march for Jesus. Think about this. This is long before Jesus takes up his own cross. Probably years away. Though we now can read it in light of that. But Jesus said this to them even before he took up his cross. Jesus says that we must die to ourselves. Get ready to die. We must go on a death march and count ourselves as dead. When you took up that beam and you started walking, you, there was only one end to this story. You were going to die. To say with our lives that following Jesus is the most important thing. That we love Jesus more than we love our own lives. Because, paradoxically, ironically, 
mysteriously, whoever finds his physical life as the most important thing will lose it. And whoever loses his life, his physical life, for Jesus' sake, will find eternal life. This is just another way of talking about repentance and faith. Turning away from sin and self and Satan and turning to Jesus for true and lasting life. Jesus is calling us to love him more than anything, including our very own lives. Because you know what? Jesus loved us more than keeping his own life. What are you tempted to love more than Jesus? In your heart right now, hold it to Jesus and give that to Him. Repent and turn and and give it up to Him. Now it's not one and done. You'll have to do it again and you'll have to do it again and you'll have to do it again. But do it. Right now, in your heart, tell Jesus that you want to love Him more than anything, more than your very life. Because that's how he loved you. One last one and then we're done. What to expect on your mission. Number three, to be received and to be rewarded. It would be just enough to be recognized by Jesus, wouldn't it? I mean, that's enough. That's astonishing. That's amazing. And that's all that counts. But it goes deeper and it goes more wonderful. Look at verse 40. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives the one who sent me. Friends, that's amazing. Not everyone is going to reject us when we live on mission. Some people are going to receive us and receive our gospel message. And Jesus says when they receive us, taking the gospel to them, they receive him. You get that? When you share the gospel with somebody and they say, I believe that. I'm so glad you came to tell me that. I receive you. They're really saying, I receive Jesus. Why? Because we're intimately connected with Jesus. You think about that. We're we're just, we're that close. You and Jesus are one in this sense. And get this, look at verse 40 again. It goes deeper. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives the one who sent me. See, friends, you aren't just recognized by the Father. You are vitally connected to Him. So that if someone receives you, they're receiving Him. What a privilege that is. We are emissaries of the King. We are ambassadors of King Jesus. And we are ambassadors of God the Father. Jesus elaborates in verse 41. Anyone who receives a prophet, one who speaks for God, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. Anyone who receives a righteous man, because he is a righteous man, will receive a righteous man's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, the least of these disciples, these these unknown, unnamed missionaries, because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. You see how liberal Jesus is with the rewards? He's just handing them out left and right. If you you should get a reward for living righteously or speaking God's words or just following Jesus, you get it. And you'll get it just for receiving someone who should get it. See how that logic works? And supporting someone who should get it. 
This is a great reason to support missions and missionaries. See, when someone on that back wall gives out the gospel to someone who receives it in faith, they get rewarded. And they get rewarded. And we get rewarded for supporting them, little old us. This is a great reason to support missions and missionaries and to live on mission ourselves and to help each other live on mission together. Application, live for Jesus' reward. He obviously wants us to or he wouldn't talk about it so much. This could take so many forms. Preaching the gospel from the rooftops, owning up to belonging to Jesus and our spheres of influence, giving money to overseas missions, filling a little shoebox with gifts for the needy around the world. You know, every one of those shoeboxes gets a gospel message embedded in it and given to children who need the hope of the gospel. If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he's my disciple, he sees every cup of cold water. Every cup of cold water. I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. I don't know about you, but I want all the rewards that Jesus wants to give me. And I want all the rewards for this church that Jesus wants to give this church. I don't want us to miss any of them. It would be enough to just be recognized as belonging to Jesus in the eyes of his Father. But he has more for us. If we will trust Jesus and love Jesus more than anything and serve Jesus and receive and support those others who belong to Jesus and are on mission for Jesus, then we will be rewarded beyond what we can understand and imagine. That's what we can expect on this mission that Jesus has for us today. Ready to go on your mission? Let's pray together. Lord, it's easy-er to do that here than it is out there. But right now, we own Jesus as our Lord. From our hearts, we say, He is ours. We are His. We acknowledge we are Christians. We have been saved and we've been called to, to tell other people about it. Unless maybe somebody here isn't. Maybe somebody here isn't yet a Christian. They haven't owned Jesus in their heart or publicly. They haven't confessed Jesus as Lord professed that Jesus is their Savior. I pray for anyone in that position right now that they would turn from their sin and trust in Jesus and tell somebody today that they belong to Him. Jesus did all the work. This isn't something done to impress anybody. This is Jesus. What Jesus did with His blood. He washed us with His blood. I pray for anybody here who has not yet trusted in that sacrifice that they would do so now. And then they would tell somebody, some buddies, that they would live their life acknowledging Him before the world. Because glory of glories, when we do that, we're acknowledged before you. I pray, Father, that we all here would love Jesus more than anything. Because we've got to choose. Who do we want to be received by? Who do we want to be recognized by? 
got to be Jesus because he's worth more than anything. And when we do, we're rewarded. And when we help others to do it, we're rewarded. Lord, we want to live for that reward. Would you do that, Lord? Would you orient our hearts towards your rewards? Thank you. Thank you for telling us in advance what to expect. It's it's apparently not going to be easy. It's going to get harder. People are going to die. We have to choose now to take up our cross. But when we do, what do we find? But life. Thank you, Jesus, for taking up your cross and for coming back to life to give us this life forever. Thank you for leading us, O King Eternal. We follow you. And we pray in your name.